Are you trying to squeeze the starting solid food stuff into your already busy schedule? Well, I have an all-in-one done-for-you solution that's going to take the guesswork out of feeding your baby. My online program is called Baby Led Weaning with Katie Ferraro. It contains all of my baby led weaning training videos, the original 100 First Foods content library, plus a 100-day meal plan with recipes like the exact sequence of which foods to feed in which order. So if you want to stop trying to piece all this feeding stuff together on your own, I would be honored if you would join me inside of the program. You can get signed up at babyledweaning.co slash program. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Barrier number one, the pediatrician. And that is what I am. And I love pediatricians and they work so hard. But at those four and six month visits where they have to talk about this, how many other things are on a parent's mind? Development, sleep, oh my God, for immunizations. There's so many other factors that are so much more important than thinking about introducing peanut products. So how do we help the pediatricians? Hey there, I'm Katie Ferraro, registered dietitian, college nutrition professor, and mom of seven specializing in baby led weaning. Here on the Baby Led Weaning Made Easy podcast, I help you strip out all of the noise and nonsense about feeding, leaving you with the confidence and knowledge you need to give your baby a safe start to solid foods using baby led weaning. When you took your baby to their four or six month well check, did the pediatrician mention the importance of introducing peanut early and often? Now, maybe you've heard this message, but like take yourself back to that doctor's appointment. Did your doctor talk about it to you or mention it? My guest today is Dr. Ruchi Gupta. She's a pediatrician and researcher at Northwestern University, where she's the founding director of the Center for Food Allergy and Asthma Research. So Dr. Gupta's team is internationally recognized for their research in food allergy. She sits on numerous committees that establish the international guidelines. She's published over 140 research papers on food allergy. And the study that we're going to talk about today in this interview was one that recently found that only 13% of parents and caregivers who she surveyed in a very large sample size were aware of the recommendations to introduce peanut early and often to babies. Okay, so our discussion is going to surround what's the research that supports these early introduction guidelines and why aren't these messages getting shared by pediatricians to parents? And then she also gives us a little history lesson into just how dramatically allergenic food introduction in infants has changed over the last 20 years. There are few researchers as prolific as Dr. Gupta. I literally don't know where she gets the time to do all this and then still be kind enough to like do every interview request. She's always in every major. Like every time I'm talking about food allergy in kids, you see Dr. Gupta's name. She is a parent also of a child with a food allergy. So she personally understands the challenges of food allergy. And she has this just amazing knack for translating her team's research into practical, actionable steps that parents caregivers, and healthcare providers can take in order to help reduce the burden of food allergy in the pediatric population. So with no further ado, here's Dr. Ruchi Gupta, and she's talking about why doctors still aren't talking about introducing allergenic foods early and often. Oh my gosh, it's my pleasure, Katie. Thanks for having me. Okay, you were previously here, we did a food allergy Q&A section. We had like huge downloads on it. People just like want to hear you talk about food allergies for their babies. And that was around the time your book, Food Without Fear, came out. So what's been happening since then? Do you have any 
work projects or research, anything you're currently excited about? Oh, so much. All right. Where do I begin? Well, since we're talking about early introduction and prevention, you know, some of our biggest projects are this early introduction, trying to get pediatricians to advocate for early introduction with their patients and then trying to get families to go home and do it, you know, and really turn the tide of this epidemic. Like we want to shut it down, right? So I like that. Now that we know that early introduction, at least of peanuts and eggs works, we need to get every parent doing it with their child. Um, The other big study we have, this is a really exciting study. I'm hardest study I've ever done in my career thus far. But we, you know, a lot of people ask, okay, you said peanuts and eggs. I did that. I've had patients come back and say, but now my kid's allergic to cashews, you know? So how come they didn't tell me to introduce that early? And so people keep asking, what about all these other allergens? So we are doing a study here in Chicago where we're doing an eight food introduction. So we're introducing milk, egg, peanuts, cashews, walnuts, uh, sesame, soy, almond, all to infants like in that first year of life. So why not wheat? Like why, why just eight? I know. I know. Oh my gosh. Why, why did you just do nine? <laughs> because so many babies are getting wheat because wheat is a, a common food. So we were trying to hit some of the ones that they may. Oh my gosh. I totally disagree. They're still feeding rice foods. Really? You have no really? idea. Yes. And parents are really scared of wheat. And we talk about not introducing bread because of the high sodium content and potential choking hazard. And parent, I find that parents are really confused about wheat. I mean, I know it's probably late to change the study protocol, but in our experience, parents struggle with wheat as well. And I think they would be interested to know if that's one of the ones they should. Wow. Do well, they should. They should. Yeah, they should. Cause there's no benefit to withholding them. That's what we also say. Like, listen, we know we need more research. We know we've got peanut and egg down, but don't stop there because there's absolutely no benefit, no benefit whatsoever to withholding it. But what I want to talk about today is that like, sometimes these messages aren't getting out there. I know you are like the most data-driven person I know. According to one survey that you conducted, results that came out in 2019, up to 10.8% of Americans show convincing evidence of a food allergy. So 19% self-identify as having a food allergy, but only 5% have a physician-confirmed diagnosis for food allergy. So like, what's driving this huge gap between perception versus confirmation of food allergy in adults? And then is it similar for kids and babies? Okay, you said a lot of really important things there. So I'm going to back it up just a little bit. One thing you said that was so key is yes, introduce, introduce, introduce. So for that, what I'll tell you as a pediatrician is that I really believe we medicalize feeding way too much, right? Everything is medicalized one food at a time, wait three to five days. Totally disagree with any of that because what's happening is we're not getting that diversity in the diet of these babies, you know? And that's not natural. I mean, Think about the whole history of time, right? We just ate whatever parents are eating. They chewed it up, got mom's microbiome on it and stuck it in their baby's mouth. Or as you know, baby led weeding, let the baby feel, touch, play, eat, right? So that is very, very, very important to demedicalize this whole experience of feeding. And then now to your second point, which is also incredibly important, both in adults and kids. You mentioned the adult numbers. Yes, one in five told us that they thought they had a food allergy. One in 10 seemed to really have a convincing food allergy, but only one in 20 were getting diagnosed. Same with kids. The numbers aren't as intense because we take better care of our kids, but even in kids, only 5% went to a doctor, whereas 8% had convincing food allergy. So what's happening? And I'll tell you what we're learning is 
A lot of times people will eat a food, have a reaction, and then just take it out of their diet. They just stop eating it. But they don't think, oh, I need to go to my doctor to let them know because we don't have any very few treatments on the market right now, right? So unlike something like asthma, where you need your inhaler, you need to go to a doctor, you need to get your meds, food allergies, what's the point of going to a doctor and getting a diagnosis in their minds? And so that happens a lot. And we don't take that good care of ourselves. We don't go to a doctor unless it's really important a lot of times, you know? So well, also there's a 50% chance of like false positive in the results anyway. So like half the time, I think parents are like, well, even if it says positive, can I really trust it? Like I get the frustration of parents. That's so true. I mean, you, you've hit on so many things we need in food allergy, but the great thing is they're coming. You know, there, there's a lot of research on better diagnostics so that we can be more sure without having to go through an oral food challenge. There is a lot of great work on treatment. So hopefully people want to go to the doctor because- They'll want to get it treated because you don't want to avoid a food every meal of every day. That's very difficult to do. Hey, we're going to take a quick break, but I'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. If you've been thinking about giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's a convenient, flexible, affordable, and entirely online experience. All you do is just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can also switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. I used to think therapy was just for people who have experienced major trauma, but therapy can help you be at your best no matter what you're going through. So whether it's to learn new positive coping skills, set more realistic boundaries, or just show up as a better version of yourself, BetterHelp is here to help. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. If you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can help you get there and BetterHelp can help you. Visit BetterHelp.com slash weaning today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash weaning and get 10% off your first month. So in early August, there was a Washington Post article that came out and the headline was, quote, infant peanut exposure can prevent allergies, comma, but parents worry. And I think that title just perfectly encapsulates what I call it's like the science. Yeah, but I'm scared effect. And we see that in starting solid foods and in particular, the introduction of those potentially allergenic foods. So that Washington Post article highlighted your work in a new publication where you and your team surveyed more than 3000 parents and caregivers of infants and young children, and you asked them about the guidelines for introducing peanuts early and often. And I was blown away that only 13% of them knew that they should be doing this. Like, how is this still possible when it's been, you know, eight years since the LEAP trial results were published? It's been six years since the guidelines were updated. Like, why aren't parents getting the message? Or what's the breakdown in information exchange here? Yes, and that is so important. Like here as researchers, we publish something. We're like, we did a breakthrough. We can prevent this. And then you're like, yes, we're done. No, you're not even close to done because the translation of guidelines into real practice, you know, typically takes 15 to 20 years. So, but this we're talking prevention, we're talking stopping food allergies. So we want to speed it up. So the problem is, is something can be published, but there's a couple barriers. One, how do we get it to the doctors who need to tell the patients? So barrier number one, the pediatrician. And that is what I am. And I love pediatricians and they work so hard. But 
at those four and six month visits where they have to talk about this, how many other things are on a parent's mind, you know, development, sleep. Oh my God, for immunizations, you know, there's, there's so many other factors that are so much more important than thinking about introducing peanut products. So, and pediatricians have less and less time with patients. So how do we help the pediatrician? So one of our large NIH trials was to help pediatricians by helping them through their EMRs, like putting in a reminder, like, oh, this baby's four months, you need to talk about it. Automatically printing out a handout for the parents that really describes it, because you don't have that much time to talk to parents about how do you do it? How much do you do? How long do you watch them? You know, there's there's a number of questions parents have. And then barrier number two, you know, the parent, how many years, Katie, have we talked about Oh, it's so dangerous. Anaphylaxis, you know, like it's Yeah, you're like undoing the old messages. Yes, because when you put that much fear around peanuts in a parent's mind, you know, they don't want to take their four or five month old, six month old home and start feeding this to them freely. There is a lot of fear wrapped around that. So dismantling that, you know, and making sure they know that you know, infants, babies don't have severe reactions very, very rarely. Most of their reactions are either going to be hives or like a rash or they throw up. But infants do not have those anaphylactic respiratory trouble, you know, passing out, drop in blood pressure as much as we see in older kids. So that's one big thing. But can I tell you how many parents have told me I went to the emergency room parking lot and fed it there? Uh, have you looked at TikTok lately, Dr. Gupta? They're all doing it. And it's like, it's like, first of all, it's not funny because there's like people that really need medical care. And also you don't need to do that. There's only a very small subset of the population that needs to introduce peanut under medical guidance. But like more doctors need to be telling them that. Like there's a lot of doctors that don't know. Like they're still saying things like, you know, wait and scaring them because they're not aware of the guidelines. So I know the research you guys are doing is so important, but like part of what we're helping to do, especially as a dietitian, is like get the message out there to parents, like, let's translate this into what you should be doing, because I think we are missing the mark sometimes. Um, And there is a lot to do at a four and a six month appointment. But I would argue that this is pretty important. It's the one thing you can do as a parent to lower your baby's risk of food allergy. Your doctor should be talking about it. Yes. Well, let's break it down for your parents. So your baby is now four months old. Two big things to look for. Do they have severe eczema? Okay, what is severe eczema? doesn't have to be red because different skin tones, it won't show up as red. My skin, it probably won't. But it had broken skin, irritated skin. You can see excoriation sometimes, you know, on the skin. Eczema atopic derm is what it's called. If your child's skin isn't smooth, is bumpy and irritated, that is an indicator that they may be at high risk for food allergies. So at around three to four months, if your baby is showing those signs, One, it's very important to get that treated. And two, it's very important to get to an allergist. And so by getting to an allergist, you can get evaluated and then introduced to peanut products in a safe environment in their office. But can we also just remind parents that this is a very small subset of the population. You're not talking the -the run-of-the-mill eczema, a tiny little patch that most babies have. Because what we're seeing now is parents who do get the message are like, well, I got to do peanut at four months. I'm like that, you're not in the high risk category. So the severe eczema, that's the key word there. Yes. And you're exactly right. Less than 5% of the population. So we're talking 95% of the population, probably 97% does not apply at all. So if your child has no eczema at all, or, you know, very, very mild, they're not part of this group. 
And as you said, you are fine to introduce peanut products when your baby is ready to eat. If they have egg allergy, though, we would put them in the same yeah. high-risk category, right? But we're saying starting food. So I'm, yeah, but if they've already tried egg and have an egg allergy, then yes, they okay. need to get to an allergist. Absolutely. But if they have never tried anything, you know, and they're like three months old and you're noticing this, then get yourself in because it always takes time to get to an allergist and get evaluated. And by then they're going to be four months old. So if not, then around six months when they're starting to eat solids, introduce peanut products and it's very, very safe and babies love it, you know, and you can take peanut butter, um, never whole peanuts, but take peanut butter, water it down or breast milk, add breast milk, add formula, add, you know, applesauce, add whatever it takes to make it not as sticky and then introduce it to your baby slowly, a little bit on their tongue and then slowly increase it just like you do any food that you would introduce your baby to. And if they're fine with it, then incorporate it into their diet, you know, two to three times a week. It's healthy. It's good for them. And just keep it going. And then, like you said, introduce some of the other foods. So very, very important, you know, for parents to also spearhead this, you know, like you're giving them the message. They can bring it up with their pediatrician if their pediatrician doesn't with them. Talk about it, get it started and incorporate peanut products, egg and any of the other foods that you want to into your child's diet early in those first year of life. And in that same recent survey, you also found that some parents, they were stating their doctor was advising them to delay peanut introduction until age one, some even recommending to wait until age two. Like those are legit recommendations that are over 20 years old. And at the time they weren't even supported by science or research when doctors were saying them. Like aren't pediatricians required to stay up to date on current best practices and evidence-based recommendations? I mean, yes. I appreciate the work that pediatricians do too, but you are actually giving false, now potentially harmful advice when you tell parents to wait or delay on these foods. That's true. And I have to say, like I I go to the AAP and PAS every year and more and more pediatricians are advising it. Like I said, I mean, this came out in 2017, then we had COVID, now everyone's back. I see more and more. Like after we did our iReach training, 80% of pediatricians we're recommending, you know, so we moved it, moved the needle up. So I think simple reminders for pediatricians, we got to help them because you got to think everybody's coming at them with, oh, my new guidelines. and my new Everybody's guidelines. issue is the most important issue. Yes. I get it. <laughs> I am a special snowflake. How do we help them? And I think one of the key ways now with all our electronic medical records is for whatever age, stick it in there, you know, and by doing that, they were doing it. They were on it. They were recommending it. And we saw in that group, 90% of caregivers' parents were introducing it. So it was really, really exciting to see that happen. So whether it comes from the parent, whether it comes from the pediatrician, the most important thing is to, to make it happen. The fear we need to get rid of. So please, 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 if anyone is worried, we got to think of new ways. You know, one of the things um, our team thought of, and we're going to try to incorporate, is what if at that visit, we could have it in the office and introduce it, their first dose at their six-month visit, you know, or at their nine-month visit. But don't you think that's perpetuating the stereotype that you need to be doing this under, like, this? that's the medicalization of food. Sorry, if you're feeding food in a doctor's office, that's like, whoa, why are we doing this here? But I like that you guys are brainstorming. Like, you don't just publish research and be like, oh, this is a huge problem. You guys figure it out. Like, you're always constantly working on solutions to the problem. I'm just being the devil's advocate here. Like that would be scary to me as a first time mom. Like what's so big about peanut that we're doing it here? Yeah. (laughs) 
I, I mean, I'm only thinking of that because of what, you know, the parents told us that so many are scared of doing it. Or they're like you said on TikTok, they're doing it in emergency rooms or they're doing it in our waiting rooms. So I'm like, if they're going to do it that way, but yeah, I think hey, what you're saying is the most important thing. Just get rid of the fear. Hey, we're going to take a quick break, but I'll be right back. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Just as a doctor, I love to be able to ask you these questions like over and over we hear so much about how little like i'm coming from the nutrition side so how little nutrition education and how little i know food allergy instruction physicians in this country get in their training if you dr gupta were to redesign the medical school curriculum that all future physicians in the u.s had to take what would you want them to learn about food allergy in the pediatric population to make them better practitioners and help reduce this disparity between what the science is saying and what parents are hearing for pediatricians or for medical students, you know, I think it's very, very important and especially future pediatricians to learn how prevalent it is, right? 8% of the population, one in 13 kids has a food allergy. To know what the most common food allergies are, we're talking top nine, peanut, tree nut, shellfish, finfish, milk, egg, soy, wheat, and sesame. You know, know that those are the most common, know that people can be allergic to anything and know signs and symptoms and know what anaphylaxis is and know how important epinephrine is to treat it. You know, by the time we get it into their medical curriculum, they'll probably be learning about treatments, you know, and other diagnostics. But at least those key things are really, really critical. And then prevention, early interventions, you know, to keep kids from even developing these conditions from the get-go. So the curriculum we put together, we put together a curriculum for pediatricians and allowed them to get MOC, which is our maintenance of certification. It's like credits you have to get. So every year I have to go on to the board website and learn about something. So we have done a whole prevention thing for food allergy. So pediatricians can learn about it and then get credits that go towards their boards. So how do we do that? How do we build in CMEs? How do we build in continuing education where we can get to pediatricians? What I can tell you is pediatricians want to know. They are curious. But what you talked about is a lot of pediatricians too, and we should always have a little bit of this in our brain, but think about it. From the year 2000, the AAP said, don't introduce peanuts till age three. I know. <laughs> You're dis you use the word dismantling, and that's totally like, I graduated from my undergrad in 2000. In dietitian school, we were learning to lay eggs till one, peanuts till two, fish till three, whatever it was. But also none of that was based on science. Like, I think that's what we're forgetting here. Like, like you actually have the science to show early introduction. And people are like, but I thought you guys said, wait, well, when they said that, it was just because like they didn't know what else to tell you. Like, so the history of food hour, like it, stuff is changing so rapidly. I would argue like for future physicians who are listening, like get into food allergies because the research, it is like the most exciting time to be helping these families. And we do have real data and there are real safe ways to introduce these foods to babies. And I love your, sometimes your numbers like overwhelm me. Also, I'm like, where does she just find 3,000 people to ask all these questions to? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, 
Oh my gosh. So you, there are national survey firms that you can rely on to give you good data. But what you said is, is very, very true that in the year 2000, that was all based on fear. Going back to the year 2000, when you graduated and I was in training, I was in my pediatric residency, the AP got scared probably, you know, like we saw this rise in food allergies. We heard about some deaths. We heard about anaphylaxis and the thought probably was, okay, we don't want this happening to babies, pause on the peanut, you know, and that yeah. stuck around, but there was no data, no data. And so until 2008, and then in 2008, the AAP said, oh, you know what? There's still no data. So forget that. But by forgetting it, they didn't say encourage it. They just said, yeah. cancel, cancel, that's canceled. But pediatricians just kept doing it. Like even me, like, what you're going to, what do you tell parents? Okay. Do whatever you want. Uh, you're like, oh, I know what your last baby, we told you not to do peanuts, but with this next baby, you should totally do them. Like I get it. It is an evolving science, but it is so important that we really have the data to support it. And I love that you're able to translate that data into like, okay, well, what should parents actually be doing? Yes. And then you move to 2017, right? In 2018, 2019. Now we've got the guidelines. We are now, everything got flipped, right? So 360. So whenever that happens in medicine, we're like, wait, why? How many studies? What did it show? Did it show it in all populations? Does this pertain to me? This was done in London. How does this, you know, like, so. Yeah. And then you all get together at conferences and you guys all fight about it. But to be honest, it doesn't trickle down to parents. I'm like, clearly if 13% of them are only hearing about it, like, and as every researcher says, there's still a lot of work to be done. Like, <laughs> oh my goodness. And there always will be a lot of work to be done. But at least for now, we do know that early introduction can prevent. And we have to do everything in our power to get that message out. So I appreciate you doing it. The main questions I get are around risk factors. You know, so a lot of people ask about family history. They say, well, my other kid has it or their cousin has it or the, a parent has it. Isn't that a high risk factor? Well, the LEAP study showed no. So if a sibling has it, it is hard to introduce it to this new child, but this baby needs to eat it even more because- But also remember those old guidelines that said, if you have a first degree family member, you're at high risk. Like pediatricians have trouble forgetting that too. Like it is totally a 360, the way you described it. My goal with baby led weaning and the work we do is I really wanna make force feeding babies by spoon a thing of the past because- Babies can eat so many more foods than we give them credit for. And I know your team does a lot of work on diet diversity. And I was actually just interviewing Karina Venter earlier today. And we're talking to Dr. Stukas. Like all the allergy people are on board with diet diversity. What do you hope for as the outcome of your life's work in food allergy and in particular pediatric food allergy? Wow. I mean, I hope to be very much out of a job. You know, I would like to be able to prevent food allergies to the point where the numbers get so low on that side. And then on the other end, be able to treat it so that we can move into another disease state that needs us more. But my entire goal, I have a comic strip actually on my wall and I, I love it. It Everyone who comes in sees it and it has been there for years, but it's, it's an adult talking to a kid and saying, when I was your age, there were no food allergies, right? Something we've probably all heard. When we were young, we took peanut butter and jelly sandwiches to school every day. It was not an issue. I don't know what's going on. So the adults talking to the child saying, when I was your age, there were no food allergies. 
And the next frame is that child growing up as an adult and talking to another kid and saying, when I was your age, there were food allergies. And I think that is my ultimate goal. We can now, and we have ways to prevent it on one end. And then we have treatments coming out to treat it on the other end. Maybe we can in one lifespan, I guess, change this disease from an epidemic to really non-existent, you know? So I guess that would be my dream. But on the prevention side, it's starting to happen. I feel like we're making a dent and you were helping and all the amazing people in the world that are sending this message out are helping. And I do think in the next five to 10 years, we're going to see most, I'd like to see 98% of parents on board. And maybe there's that 2% doubters who are waiting around, but that would be an incredible achievement. Hey, we're going to take a quick break, but I'll be right back. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industries shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. There's a little more ways to go. I love your comic strip analogy. I was telling my kids the other day about when you used to be able to smoke on airplanes and they were like, that's not true. You made that up. And I was like, it just sounds so asinine, right? Like, remember there was a smoking and a non-smoking section of an airplane? Like someday we'll look back and be like, people used to shove spoons of food in a baby's mouth who was not like a willing participant in the equation. Or people used to not introduce the allergenic foods and hopefully, you know, by the end of our professional lifetimes, something will have changed. So thank you for all of the work that you do. I love that you are so gracious with your time to come on and kind of break down some of this really important research that you're doing. I know a lot of times you spend time at, you know, academic conventions and, and that's important, but talking to parents is really important too. And I, I hope more pediatricians hear your message and more parents hear your message as well. Oh my goodness. You know, it is the most important thing to talk to parents. I love it. And you know, I am a parent of a child with food oh, allergies. I know. So I, I am one of the parents. So, and I will tell you in closing, you know, one of my um, most memorable, the guilt of a mom who has a kid with food allergy, wondering what you've done to cause this or not cause this. Uh, the New York Times called when the LEAP study came out and said, interviewed me about what I thought about the study. And then they said, oh, you have a daughter with food allergies. And I was like, yes. And you didn't introduce peanuts to her early. And I was like, no, it wasn't so the guy. insensitive. Born in 2006. <laughs> and so in the article, it says, Dr. Gupta slapping herself on the wrist for not introducing peanuts to her daughter earlier. So, okay, you guys, if Dr. Gupta has food allergy guilt, we're all going to be okay. Yeah. There you go. Every mom, trust me, no more guilt. We all need to work together to make sure that we can prevent it going down the line for all our future children. So thank you so much, Katie. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Dr. Ruchi Gupta. I just love chatting with her. I think she is such a wealth of knowledge. She, I think she's like knows the statistics off the top of her head. Like, I don't even think she's reading notes. She has like this incredible magnet of a mind for the numbers. And I think the numbers are really important. Every time she gets interviewed, she really does stress the data because it is important that we are making recommendations to parents and to healthcare providers based on data, the evidence-based data, right? Because 
we talked about how 20 years ago, like we were just telling people what to feed and not feed their babies and there was no data to support it. But now we have very strong data. So hopefully if you walked away with nothing else from this episode, it's that the message is to introduce peanuts in particular early and often. And she was talking a lot about some of the other uh, research projects that they're working on to kind of help buttress some of the other allergenic foods. Like, yeah, peanuts, we got it. And she's like, no, no, we're not getting it, right? Like, because only 13% of parents have ever even heard this message. So we do have very strong data for peanut and she's doing really important work for the other allergenic foods. I will link to all of the resources that Dr. Gupta mentioned in the show notes page for this episode, which you can find at blwpodcast.com forward slash 380. A special thanks to our partners at Airwave Media. If you guys like podcasts that feature food and science and using your brain, be sure to check out some of the podcasts from Airwave. We are online at blwpodcast.com. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'll see you next time. From the terrifying power of tornadoes to sizzling summer temperatures, AccuWeather Daily brings you the top trending weather-related story of the day, seven days a week. You can learn a lot in just a few minutes with stories about impending hurricanes, winter storms, or even what not to miss in the night sky. So listen and subscribe to AccuWeather Daily wherever you get your podcasts. That's AccuWeather Daily wherever you get your podcasts.